What do a lazy pothead bowler, a disgruntled Vietnam vet, a feminist, a nihilist, an asshole millionaire, and his trophy wife have in common? They're all pieces of a complex kidnapping plot with a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Maybe it was anti-Semites. Maybe she kidnapped herself. But all the dude ever wanted was his rug back in the 1998 cult comedy, The Big Lebowski. I'm Connor Azagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is a long time coming filmgasm. Welcome to the new and improved Filmgasm podcast. In honor of its 25th anniversary, we're discussing one of our mutual favorite comedies, the Coen Brothers masterpiece, The Big Lebowski. This is a film we've tried to figure out how to bring to this show for four years, and it took a complete retooling of our formula to finally just put it here where it belongs. And yeah, this is, I'm glad, I'm so glad we're doing this. I've been wanting to talk about this movie. For God knows how long. I love this movie to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same here. Um, I think it's the, like, our favorite mutual movie, if that makes sense. Uh, we, we both kind of, you know, it's revered by both of us, and it's near the tippy top of our, you know, personal top 10, top 20 lists, you know, probably my, you know, in my top five for my favorite 90s movies, and same for you. Uh, it's both our favorite Coen Brothers movie, so it just kind of like checks all these boxes of, you know, uh, this this common interest we both have in it. And it's one of the first movies we ever talked about as friends. You know, we talked about the Coens a lot when we first met. We figured out that was kind of you know, you know the the brothers, the the directing writing combo of those two guys is is kind of kind of the thing that connected us at first. You know, um, I'd, I'd credit them and Tarantino for kind of forming our friendship so that's really special and this movie is just so fucking good it's 25 years old that's crazy um you know i remember the first time i saw it still so and i've seen it now like probably 60 or 70 times since and sometimes on drugs sometimes you know hammered sometimes sober and every time it it fucking slaps (laughs) yeah tell us about that first time how long have you been a lebowski achiever (laughs) little urban achievers um so my my old my older brother jeremy uh he fell in love with this movie and he had a shirt like the one of those dude abides shirts um he he bought that when he was in high school i was in middle school probably in seventh grade when i first watched this movie all the way through and uh yeah i fell in love i was yeah probably 13 14 years old and i mean so half my life and i it's one of those that i just everything fucking goes away. You know, um, I can put anything and everything to the side and just have a good time. But it also does that thing, you know, while I'm laughing a shit ton at all the cursing and, you know, the ridiculous lines that Walter spits out, I, I, I find myself always kind of having that phenomenon of, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot how like unique this scene was, or I forgot how cool they, the way they connected this. And uh, it's just, it's like my favorite kind of movie, favorite kind of subgenre, like a a private eye, private detective. But in this case, it's a guy who didn't ask for it, you know, and 
he he doesn't do that for a living uh but like those movies like chinatown the long goodbye like those are some of my favorite movies of all time and lebowski takes all of those tropes and kind of turns it on his head so uh I, i'm just obsessed with it man yeah it is it's a it's a neo-noir absurd absurdist comedy that just keeps on giving like you notice little things every time you watch it there's so much packed into this movie yeah it's, it's brilliant. I love the the never ending pool of theories about what this thing really means. Like I found one out today. There's a school of thought that believed that the two Lebowskis represent different sides of history. The dude, Jeff Lebowski, is, you know, the hippie bum who's still holding on to the 70s. And Jeffrey, the big Lebowski, is the 90s big business asshole who's, you know, just taken over the country and like this is just there's so many papers written about this movie there's so many dissertations so many fan theories it's a movie you can't stop thinking about and not just because it's fucking hilarious but because it bears thinking about you know it's the coen brothers who have never they don't really do improv they don't like everything is incredibly structured with their films they every scene is made the way they want to make it it's all on purpose so there's definitely a method to the madness, but they're yeah. never going to tell you what it is because they have fun making you try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. Uh, you know, of course we were super young when it came out 98, we were both three years old, but it's amazing that this is the movie that follows up, you know, Fargo kind of their, their Oscar darling, this movie that everybody loved made a bunch of money and kind of, kind of put them in a, a whole new spotlight after already doing some amazing work, you know, like blood simple and Barton Fink and Miller's crossing and like all these, all these awesome movies. But Fargo was the one that really, really broke everything open. and was like, Oh, these are two of our best, you know, filmmakers that we have. And, and then they follow it with the Lebowski, you know, <laughs> like it's just, it's such a ballsy move, but I think they knew, um, just give it, give it a few years, man, and, and and people will come back to it, reevaluate it. So many big time critics like hated it when it came out, and then you know years later they're like, oh wow, that's you know that, that's actually one of the more brilliant, brilliant films of its era. So I love that we have the benefit of seeing it later when it already had gained kind of a cult status. But I would have, I would have loved to see this thing in theaters when it came out, and kind of I, I wonder what's what, you know. There's a line in the sand. I wonder which side I would have been on. You know, um, I, I don't. I don't know. I truly don't know. Would I have gone with the masses and been like, "Yeah, this is fucking weird. Doesn't make any sense. It's all like, it's all for nothing." Or would I have been like, "No, there's something there." Uh, I, I always wonder that. I feel like, considering we've never really, you know, gone with the grain when it comes to trends, I feel like we would have seen something in this immediately. Well, the first thing that I would have been been i would have been cool with it like watching is the soundtrack like the soundtrack's just so fucking good and you also have carter burwell doing like a score as well so it's kind of working in tandem so you have the you have the cohen's go-to guy for the score and you have all these amazing songs throughout it and it's not just uh you know like cute wes anderson type soundtrack it's kind of all over the board you know they got like the typical you know symphony orchestra type music but they also have two Credence songs. Like, well, that's insane. And they shout out Credence more than any movie ever has, uh, you know, and they've got, you know, mucha, cha, cha, like it's got, it's kind of going across all genres. So like, I would have been a sucker for that anyways. 
and just I, I I love cursing in movies, so I would have I would I would have had a field day with that. I don't know if I would have connected totally with the story right away, but I would have liked just kind of the 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 cloth, like the fabric of this movie. Well, I know I, when I first saw this, I I was like eleven or twelve years old. It was at a beach house. Uh, my mom and dad put it on, and I was enamored. I was entranced. I'd never seen anything yeah. like this. I was. I was just like starting to be allowed to watch R-rated stuff openly. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been watching R-rated stuff on my own for a long time, but but openly, like during the it day, was okay with, with adults. It was it was yeah. new, like the, so, the sun's out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to hear the phrase "This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass," and to hear yeah. that in front of your parents when you're 11 years old, the first time you're like, "I'm seeing something completely new right now." This is I I was I at that point in my life I never laughed harder, yeah. and I just kept this in my back pocket ever since. It's one of my comfort movies. Mm-hmm. I I watch it all. If it's on, I'll just watch it. I'll drop whatever I'm doing, and I'll be like, oh yeah, oh, on. yeah. I'm doing this now. <laughs> yeah, it is one of the rewatchables. It's one of like for me, it's one of like the five things that, like you said, if if I if I catch it on cable. Of course, I want to watch it so I can see all the cursing and everything. But if, even if I catch it on fucking TBS or TNT or whatever, I'm still going to drop what I'm doing and watch from there until the end of the movie. Uh, just just because just because I enjoy being with these characters. I enjoy being in this. I, I love Los Angeles movies, and I especially love when they have a unique take on Los Angeles and maybe take, you know, that's what that's one of my favorite things about Paul Thomas Anderson. So like he, he likes to go in the valley, San Fernando Valley, you know, and I, I love that the Coens kind of do this like nasty, grimy bowling alley is like the kind of the base of the movie. I, I love that. Cause like those places exist. These people exist, you know, uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about the movie is when, you know, um, the, the argument with Smokey. And I love, I love when they're walking back out to the car and he's like, he's an emotional guy. All right. He's got emotional problem. Like you can't be doing that shit. And you know, I, those are normal people. Those are normal people. And like, I love, I love being, being, being able to relate. And the Coens are so good at writing characters that you can relate to, but also laugh at and laugh with. Oh, totally. My favorite moment of that whole scene is when they're arguing in the car and you see the cops pull up the insanely horrible response time and they're not even phased. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And you know, I'm calmer than you. Wait, a fucking gun around? Yeah. I mean, you are. <laughs> Jesus, Walter. Did you just take it easy? <laughs> God damn. Uh, uh, I'll I'll never forgive the city of Los Angeles for tearing down that bowling alley. Yeah. Doesn't that doesn't that suck? You know, that was immediately something that I wanted to visit. Um when I was in middle school, I was like, oh my God, like if I go to that bowling alley one day, I I would I would go to Los Angeles specifically for a Big Lebowski tour. You know, could I go to the could I go to the the you know the Big Lebowski's mansion? You know, could I see the room where you know the urban little little achievers? You know, I want to hang out with Brant. You know, come on. <laughs> My dad had a T-shirt uh, of the dude looking in the Time Man of the Year mirror and just like, huh? Like he had that as a T-shirt. Yeah, that's Fucking great. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah yeah man obviously already right off the fucking get-go um this is one of those episodes one of those movies that we've been waiting so long to talk about it's gonna be hard to not just quote the whole thing and and talk about 
from point A to point B, like from beginning to end, you know, from, from, you know, opening credits to end credits, uh, from Sam Elliott to Sam Elliott. It's going to be hard not to do that, but, uh, we'll, we'll try our best to, to, to calm down. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's try to, let's try to get back in the structure. It's going to be hard yeah. to stay in the lane here. But <laughs> yeah. We're going to do what we can. Got uh, balls. Yeah. <laughs> <God> damn. Uh, <laughs> So my opening question, there's there's a theory rolling around that Walter rolling. <laughs> I, I'm not even doing it on purpose. <laughs> on Saturdays, I don't roll. Yeah. They already posted it. Well, they could fucking unpost it. That Walter's pretty much a pathological liar that Nam didn't happen, that he's just convinced himself that he was in Nam. So my, my question to you, what do you, do you think Walter was actually in Vietnam? <laughs> I love that. I, I love reading theories about this movie. I love reading people who are skeptical about this movie, like reading what they have to say. Uh, I've never, I've never really taken that one like to the dome and actually like thought about it, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think his, his, his obsession with it is obviously a stereotype for a lot of American uh, veterans. And while it's poking fun at a certain um, stereotype, I also think some veterans would probably get a good laugh out of it, out of Walter. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, I know guys like that, you know, face down in the muck. <laughs> you know? So you and I can enjoy this family restaurant. Uh, I, I don't know. I would say, yeah, I would lean towards. Yes. He actually did serve. Um, and this is supposed to be, late 80s early 90s the movie it's supposed to be you know it's not 1998 it's supposed to be whatever 1990 1991 uh we we see pretty clearly that uh there's there's certain events like current events happening at the very beginning of the movie we see the president at the time talking and so it kind of gives you clarity on what time it is so the timing works out for walter to have served uh in, in vietnam uh yeah it, that character the more the more i watch big lebowski the more I think Walter might be the greatest American character of all time. <laughs> he is just, it's, it's one of the perfect melds of actor and character. Like nobody but John Goodman could have played Walter Subcheck. And the Coens knew that because they waited till Goodman was available to make this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's well, cause they knew, they knew what he was capable of already. Yeah. Barton Fink is one of, it's one of the most underrated villains of all time is, 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 is Goodman and Barton Fink. Oh yeah, Charlie Meadows is a fucking nut. Uh, it's Walter if he didn't have you know the the outlet in Vietnam to let off some steam. Yeah, if he didn't, or or if he didn't, um, I mean the the whole bowling thing is obviously a huge crush for these guys. <laughs> like they don't know what else to do. You know, they're like, "Fuck it, let's go bowl." You know, uh, that's that's their that's their whole motto. It's the only explanation of how a disgruntled Vietnam vet and like the most chill hippie dude ever could be buddies <laughs> yeah and then donnie <laughs> yeah, and then they, got, they needed a third so donnie yeah I, yeah i also love walter's kind of attachment to the jewish side of him after his his wife his ex-wife that whole that whole thing you know that got me thinking about the religious aspect of the movie um, I've always thought about just like, oh, you know, think about the characters, but just kind of the, all the Bible verses that are kind of in play. Um, and there's, 
you know, it's, it's pretty on the nose at times. And obviously the dude is kind of a, a Messiah type type character, Messiah for the bums. Um, I, I love that. That's how I was thinking about the movie this time. Next time I watch it, I don't know. I'll find something different to pay attention to, you know, I'll pay attention more to mod Lebowski and you know, that, that's what I do. Cause when you see a movie so many goddamn times, you, you just change your gears and like what you're waiting for and what you're paying attention to. Uh, that's, that's the, that's cinema. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's so few films you get to do that with. There's so few films that you feel the need to just keep with you and watch yeah. constantly. So yeah. it's, it's such a rare effort to get to explore a film that much. Cause there's, there's only a handful of movies I would want to do that with. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's not my favorite movie of all time. It's my, probably my favorite to rewatch though. Um, a lot of my favorite movies are tough, like gritty, tough, grinded out movies that are not necessarily fun or, uh, you know, something you just throw on on a random night. But that's just kind of, that's where my heart lies. That's my taste. Um, it's kind of like when you have bands that you really enjoy, but there's other bands maybe you like as much or a little less, but you go back to them more often just because it's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's like, it's comfort. And Big Lebowski, while it does make me think, I can just sit back and relax and ha- you know enjoy the show, you know, um, you know, and laugh like a hyena the way that David Thewlis does, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that laugh. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about the origins of this thing. It's so hard to trace the origins of a Cohen movie because. Their process is very specific. It's very in-house. They don't allow for a lot of, you know, outdoor inspiration because they're a unit. They, you know, they're brothers. They can tell what the other's thinking. They know what they're doing. They don't need your help. Oh, yeah. I, God, I wonder so much about. They're not, they're, they, they, they keep things pretty private. So I can't, I, I don't want to say that. That's weird. But when they do get like old, old, and it's it's over, you know, like when their career is done. It's going to be one of the most fascinating filmographies to just keep looking back on, you know. And and if you already are in that mindset the way, you know, you and I are, there's a book called um but there's a book by Adam Naiman called This this book ties the films together and it, it it's about how all the movies just kind of have you know, they're they're part of like the same timeline in a way. And it's a brilliant brilliant book and it's it, it's there's not many people that you can write a book like that about, you know, uh, with around, you know, 20 films under their belt, still counting, you know, and they keep going. And like 15 of those are fucking lights out, you know, it's so rare that a batting average will be that high. So yeah, man, these guys, they just, they mean, they mean so much to me. And I, I adore the way they work, the way they operate, the way they kind of treat their, their, their fame, they're not, they're just not annoying about it. And uh, that's one of my favorite things about them. They, uh, it, deep down, they still are those quiet Minnesota guys. You know, I love that. Yeah, they're just storytellers who get to do what they want. And yeah, they stay out of the limelight. They, you know, they've kind of gone their separate ways a bit with uh, Joel directing uh, the tragedy of Macbeth on his own a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's not, you know, I mean, they're brothers. They'll, They'll, they'll patch it up if it's something that needs to be patched up. I don't know the details. I, yeah, I don't know if it needs to be patched up. I think 
I, I think that was that was something that just had, kind of had to happen. I liked that movie. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And that was obviously something he did with his wife. So, yeah. um, you well, know, hats hats off to him. You know, they're like, let's just be honest. Like, they're not going to be able to do it that much more. So, like a husband and wife being able to, you know, direct, write, and and her be the the superstar that she is. It's just not going to happen that much that many times. So I, I love that they got to do that. And they got, they, they never worked with Denzel, like either of them. So like, that was a really cool thing to do to get that guy under their, you know, under their filmography as well. Like that's so fucking badass. Just adds to the long list of freak of nature actors that have taken on uh, their scripts. Yeah. And they made Shakespeare palatable or at least Joel did. I don't think Ethan was involved really with that one. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, it, it like he's exciting. It's like an exciting movie. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Leave it to them. So, you know, leave it to a Cohen to make, you know, make Shakespeare exciting. Uh, That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Lebowski. So the inspiration for this begins with Jeff Dowd, a film producer and political activist that Joel and Ethan met while trying to find a distributor for their debut film, Blood Simple. Great movie. Hell of a start. Uh, didn't like it first time I watched it. Second time I watched it, couldn't look away. Thought it was brilliant. So yeah, that yeah. happens a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really does. The kings, um, the kings of the second watch. You know, like probably my, uh, it's in my top three. You know, Lebowski, No Country, and A Serious Man. I didn't like A Serious Man the first time I saw it, and now it's like, oh my god, I. There's not many movies I love more than that one. Um, and just it just requires a certain like gear in your brain to be fixated on it and figured out yourself and now i I, yeah i'm totally obsessed with that movie and uh my that dvd that i have uh there's a kid who's an extra at the end of the movie because it was filmed in minnesota right my brother lives there and my my a lot of my family's from uh saint cloud a little town in minnesota so uh my my brother now lives in saint paul uh, and his girlfriend went to school with some of the kids that were extras in a serious man. Cause it was filmed like at the high the middle school she went to. So uh, he signed it for me. <laughs> this guy, this kid who's an extra signed it for me and sent it back. And it like wrote this long thing. Like I, I hope you keep enjoying this movie, you know? And uh, so I have the autograph of some random extra kid. That's a, uh, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know, the end of the movie involves some kids like out of school and uh, one of them, one of them fucking signed my DVD. But that movie, I didn't like it, man. I didn't like it at first. Uh, no, no Country for Old Men even was like, ah, uh, I like this, but like it's so quiet, you know. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh, this is like one of the greatest American movies ever fucking made. <laughs> uh, you know that uh, uh, for me, Old Brother Where Art Thou had the same kind of effect. I was like, I like this, but the second time I was like, holy shit, I love this movie, and. It's like every single one, except for Lebowski. I love that one right away. But like all of them just level up the more I watch them. We did Fargo on Oscar Sunday. And I always was kind of like, oh, yeah, I like Fargo. It's kind of in the back half of my favorite Cohen movies. And it went way up after after that that watch that we did because we give awards out to the movie. We focus on what's what's like really important. And in that movie, there's a line uh, where Steve, Steve Buscemi's character is like, uh, 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 half an hour and let's wrap this thing up and it's at the hour mark and there's literally 30 minutes left in the movie and it's those things that you like catch as you keep watching them that make you fall in love and they become a, you know part of your heart as a movie fan so that they just keep doing that 
So I'm never going to stop rewatching their movies because I don't know when it's going to hit, you know? Yeah, I know you, I remember you, you, uh, texted me recently about, uh, you had that epiphany with hail Caesar pretty recently. Oh dude, hail Caesar. Yeah. How dare I, <laughs> how dare I? I gave that movie a six and raised it up to a nine, you know, raised up from three stars to four and a half stars on letterbox. Like I was just like, Oh my God, this is so good. And like way up my alley, like where the fuck was I? What was I doing when I, I saw it in theaters and I was just kind of like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't what I'm used to with the Coens. They're making me stretch too much. So like, fuck off. How dare I? How dare I turn my back? <laughs> turn my back on two of my favorite filmmakers. Like that's that's on me. I watched it this time, seven years later, and I was like, wow, this is this couldn't be any more in my wheelhouse. Like what exactly is going on in this movie, how it's tackling, you know, old Hollywood, uh, the Josh Brolin character playing this big time producer, just like, man, this is all I love this stuff. I think about it anyway. So yeah, shame on me for, for not for not rewatching it for waiting seven years. That's that's my fault. <laughs> I am still I'm still in the camp that I didn't like it because I haven't watched it a second time uh, since I saw it at the movies. Second watch, mm-hmm. second watch. Hey, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm 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 learning that you know I I might have to stop watching films just one time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I rewatch stuff way more than I think most people do. And I think a lot of people are like, well, why do you, why do you do that? And uh, it's cause of, it's cause of this, it's cause of that sensation. And I'm way different than I was when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, even, even three years ago, my movie mind has changed like vastly. So I, I love giving movies that, that lifespan, you know, in, in my own brain. And if after the second time, that's when I think you can make a, a true judgment. Yeah. That's I'm starting to realize that as well. Uh, so that will be happening at some point. Uh, so Jeff Dowd, this film producer that the Coens met, he had been a member of the Seattle Seven. He frequently drank white Russians and he referred to himself as the dude. Yeah. And the Coens perfect. were like, huh, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's uh, that's the sign of a great writer. Um is if you know you're having a conversation with somebody or you you meet somebody that's interesting, jot that jot that down, jot it down real quick, and you'll you'll have ammo for your stories. Yeah, that's you know write what you know, and when you meet eccentric people, yeah, take note of that shit. Yeah. Uh, they also took inspiration from a friend of theirs, Peter Exlin or Exline. I don't know how you pronounce that. He was a Vietnam vet who lived in a shitty apartment with a rug. He was very proud of because it quote tied the room together. <laughs> So they're there like, you go. Huh, that's interesting. And they wrote that down too. It's just a, yeah, it's just a funny idea. You know, the, the fact that he's so obsessed with the rug just cause it was kind of like the, it was like the one nice piece in his entire apartment. Yeah. It's like, it was valued. It's great. It was yeah. a valued rug. Yeah. yeah. As Walter keeps pointing out. <laughs> I love how personally he takes every slight, even when it's not to him. Oh yeah. Well, he immediately, does that thing. This is one of my favorite things from like a supporting uh, character in a movie is when they, uh, when they, it becomes we and not you and I, it becomes like, no, like this is our thing. And he's like, what? Like the other person's like, no, like this is the, my, you know, this is my cross to bear. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I'm in, I'm I'm on board. Let's go. Like, I don't care. I don't care where it takes me. I need an adventure. So I'm in. (laughs) We, what the fuck? We, you just said you wanted to come along. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love ride along guys. People who are just down for the ride. who are just ready to, ready to sit back and see what happens. Walter takes that to the next level and he's like, I'm going to make shit happen. <laughs> uh, I love characters like that so much. Like uh, <clears throat> some of my favorite tropes from like Wes Anderson movies is he always has these characters who are larger than life. Like Dignan, Owen Wilson's character in Bottle Rocket is just like, is this guy real? But he's just, I, I'm about it. Like I'm about whatever, where's the action let's let's fucking where's the action at you know that's what i want and i you know i love characters like that so much i love characters like that specifically because beneath the surface they are oftentimes cowards or depressed or like regretful of something they have so much beneath all that bluster and you only get to see it very briefly if at all yeah no, those are yeah, the great, moments. great point. Great point. Yeah, Walter, Walter, you can tell you can tell the guy cannot be in a room alone. No. <laughs> he's, he's and his gonna... his moment of like, you know, the cracks is when, you know, he's giving Donnie's eulogy and he starts bringing up Vietnam again and it's just <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Uh. <laughs> oh, he's perfect. Uh so they got those guys, and then the Coens met filmmaker John Milius in L.A. when they were making Barton Fink, and they incorporated his love of guns and the military into the character of Walter. And John Milius is one of the most interesting filmmakers of all time. He was a gung-ho kind of nutcase who wrote Apocalypse Now and directed Conan the Barbarian. Mm. Uh, friend of uh, Spielberg and Coppola, he came up with that group but never really was as successful as they were. He had a stroke that kind of took away his ability to speak. Uh, There's a great documentary called Milius that tells his whole story. I recommend checking that out. It's so interesting. Uh, but okay. he was the inspiration for Walter Subcheck. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's fantastic. I didn't either. I, I had no idea. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Like, if you look at the guy, you're like, yeah, okay. I, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the coolest like costume design of all time. One time, one Halloween, it was like right when I moved to Texas. So I was like 15. Me and my my two cousins, uh, two of my cousins, Caden and Rowan, we went as Walter the dude and Donnie for Halloween. I was Walter. My cousin Caden put on a bathrobe and sunglasses and carried around some half and half. He was the dude. And my cousin Rowan wore a bowling shirt and he was Donnie. <laughs> there you go. It was so great. I, a picture of that came up on uh, Facebook a couple of Halloweens ago. And I was like, ah. Yeah. Great memory. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I could do Walter again now, and I wouldn't have to color in the beard with a pencil. Yeah, there you go. You have you have your own beard. Uh, you just gotta get some like yellow tinted glasses and like a cargo vest. <laughs> yeah, some cargo shorts and a suspicious package. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pulled up crew socks and some like hiking boots. Yeah, like what? What is this guy? This guy's the man. He's like ready for anything just uh, oh. uh here's some cool casting news so before david huddleston was cast as jeffrey lebowski the cohen's considered robert duvall oh, uh man he didn't like the script so he was like i'm not doing this so then they went to anthony hopkins but he didn't want to play an american and then they went to gene hackman but he was taking a break from acting at the time yeah okay damn, damn. some heavy hitters yeah. So they also considered Norman Mailer, George C. Scott, Jerry Falwell, 
Gore Vidal, Andy Griffith, William F. Buckley, and Ernest Borgnine. And they were all, I guess, either not considered further or turned down. Their top choice was Marlon Brando, but he had ill health at the time, could not commit to the role. I think my top pick would be George C. Scott. <laughs> Holy shit, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I can just see him doing the, the bums lost. You'll, the bums always lose. I can just see George C. Scott actually like believing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 100%. He would be fascinating. Um, Ernest Borgnine's too nice. I, I couldn't see him doing it. Yeah, you need you need a guy who's got some so like Gene Hackman, George C. Scott. They got some major dick in them, like just asshole, <laughs> asshole type yeah. stuff going on. And they've done that before. So, yeah, you got to be able to pull off my favorite line of the Big Lebowski, which is, "I didn't blame anyone for the u- loss of my legs. Some Chinaman took them from me in Korea." Like, <laughs> you got to be able to say that with righteous indignation. Yeah, uh, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, but David Huddleston was fantastic. I mean, for somebody it, who was like the 12th choice, he he did a great job. That's okay. That's one of my favorite things about the movie is the hierarchy of it. Uh, you have, of course, of course, Jeff Bridges at that point is the man, you know, he's he's done his time. But like Steve, Steve and John, they're they're big. They're big time, you know, uh, character actors. But they're not, they're not these, you know, super mega like A-listers. Like they they comp they compliment him really well, Jeff Bridges. And you know, like the the Sam Elliott thing, you know, uh uh Julian Moore was just starting to take off. There's like a clear hierarchy of you know of you know awesome, awesome actors, like talented, talented people, but also these kind of wallflower type guys who you might not know their name, but they're awesome in this movie. Uh, you get people at the right age, like David Thewlis being in this movie is fucking nuts. Like those, those, all those decisions, I think worked out for their benefit uh, in the long run. Like it just, there's, there's not really any of like, Oh, who's that guy. But at the time there was, you know? Yeah. I got I, a few years ago, I got this book called, uh, I'm a Lebowski. You're a Lebowski. And it's, uh, it's like about the the history of the film's culture and like what this film became, but it's also got interviews with almost every cast member, including like the, like the girl who played the Ralph's checkout clerk. Like she yeah. talks about Sam Elliott talks about how he didn't know what the hell this was. It's so fascinating to look into the inside of these guys, just like from the biggest stars to like, you know, people who were just at Jackie Treehorn's party and just how, what the, you know, their thoughts on the film. It's a really cool book. I'll I'll borrow it sometime. It's a great read. I yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? You're Lebowski. I'm a Lebowski. Yeah. or I'm a Lebowski. You're Lebowski. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm terrific. a dude. He's a but dude. I'm very busy as I imagine you are. <laughs> right from the get go. Oh, what a prick. Again, Brant filled me in. You called Brant. Brant filled me in. Where do I come in? Uh so good. It's just, yeah, the, the the character development in this movie is on a different, different level. It's uh, one of those things where you don't have to wonder where you're at within five to ten minutes. You really don't. It's it's perfect. It's not spoon-fed to you, but it, like, it allows you to participate in the journey and just kind of be there, which is nice. Like, you're not constantly like, wait, who screwed over who? Like, how does he fit into this? They're, you're just, you know, you're just like, oh, okay. 
interesting, like the whole time, which I, I appreciate. A lot of these yeah. whodunits, you know, noir kind of th- thrillers or like, you know, the structure this film follows, a lot of them can get kind of muddled if you're not really paying attention. But this just kind of, you know, it's it's like if, you know, Bogey smoked a bunch of weed first. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of <clears throat> that's kind of the whole thing. Right. So Bogey's such a good because obviously he was like the king of noir, like detective movies during his time. And, and, you know, like like a movie like Chinatown or The Long Goodbye, where they're like a little more serious, like they have their laughs, but it's like more serious. We as audience members are kind of like the dude where we're just kind of just kind of going with it. Like you don't really have a choice. And the dude is like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh, oh, hey, I'm having I love when he's, you know, he sits back with his white rush and he's like, I'm having a fucking great day. You know, like this is this is great. And then and then, you know, he gets pulled out. Oh, there's a beverage here, man. You know, <laughs> Like the like the, the ins and outs of that that character and like the ride that he goes on, it, it's so easy to be on board with because you kind of relate to him. You kind of just relate to the like, oh, well, like what the fuck would I do in this situation? I'm not a real detective. I'm like I'm just as dumb as the next guy, you know? Yeah, and all he really wants at the end of the day is his rug. That's all he cares about, and it's yeah. just it's all just trying to find out, you know? Oh, so once this is solved, I can get my rug. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I love that consistency. Yeah, me too. And I, yeah, I, I love, I love that he, you know, at first it's like, oh, I'll get twenty grand, like that's cool, and then like, oh, a hundred grand, you know. And there's like these added things. Still, he's committed to the rug. <laughs> he still wants that that rug. You know, he wants that rug, and he wants something close to like what it resembled for his apartment, like his dojo. So cool. I love the fucking poster of Nixon bowling. Yeah. Oh, that I want that. I want that fucking poster. Uh, yeah, so cool. I just went to. I think I was telling you. I just went to uh, here in San Antonio, like a super competitive bowling alley, and oh. it re- it reminded me a lot of like everybody's wearing like matching shirts and shit, and <laughs> there's no music playing. It's very serious. Like we're we're here to bowl. We're here to compete. And there are people like Walter who are like, uh, well, you're over the line, you know. Like they're like looking for that kind of stuff. It's like Jesus, man. Like. These people are serious. Like when they get a gutter, they're fucking pissed, you know? And I, I was like, I've never been around this ever in my life. And I was thinking about the Lebowski and I was thinking about uh, the movie and then asking people there, Oh, have you seen it? And they're like, they're like every motherfucker who comes in here, who doesn't bowl, ask me if I've seen the big Lebowski. No, I haven't. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I figured, you know, you've gotten that a lot. They're like, no, the movie's not even fucking about bowling. You know? <laughs> Oh my God. It is a little. It is a little bit, you know. Like there, people were yelling at me, like "fuck this kid." <laughs> wow, it was awesome. <laughs> I was, I was in heaven. I love aggressive. You know this, this unchecked aggression will not stand, man. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. Jesus, I can't imagine getting steamed about bowling. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Intense. Like, oof. You don't want to, yeah. You don't want to be around when someone fucks something up for their team, and the other bowlers are looking at him like, oh, "What the fuck was that?" Because like, these people, you know, like the highest score you can get is three hundred. These people bowl like two twenty to three hundred. When I bowl, I get like a fucking ninety. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm horrible, horrible at the sport. So it, it's it's fun watching people that are actually good at it. And you know, I was I was just thinking about Walter. Like, is there anybody here with a gun? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're in, competitive. We're, in, we're in Texas. You know. Yeah. I was just like, hyper competitive bowlers in Texas are one hundred percent packing heat. Yeah. Someone. I mean, there were hundreds of people on there, dude. Like hundreds, and everyone was there with like a uniform on, ready to bowl. And then you waltz in, asking about the big Lebowski. Oh yeah. I, I I told my buddy who invited me. I was like. Is it, can I ask people about the Big Lebowski? He was like, I wouldn't. <laughs> I did anyway, you know. <laughs> I would have brought. I would have. I would have immediately brought King up Kingpin. Pin. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what yeah. About, yeah, yeah. What about Kingpin? They're like, okay, that movie's pretty good. <laughs> you like only two bowling movies in existence. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, that one, that one's okay. That one's fine. But the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Uh, they're like it just uses bowling as you know as a, as a vessel i'm like yeah but it's it's funny oh my god that's hilarious. Oh, that's great oh, i love I, that I, I, i'm so glad because i did not know we were going to do this episode when i went there i would have taken like more notes if i would have <laughs> known if i would have known we were going to like do this this is kind of like off the off the cuff you know like a week ago you and i were like all right let's let's plan our next episode for me and you and and we were like, fuck it, let's do 25th anniversary of Big Lebowski. Like, we've been waiting forever to do this. So here we are. And we're, I'm rambling. <laughs> I, think, I always think of Sam Elliott. Oh, I'm rambling now. Lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this, it's hard. It's hard not to. There's so many, you know, different facets to this. <laughs> yeah, like thousands of doors open when I talk about this movie. It's, it's, I don't, uh, I've never I've never taken um, Adderall, but I'm sure this is what it feels like. <laughs> uh. um, according to Julianne Moore, the character of Maud was based on artist Carolee Schneeman, who apparently worked naked from a swing and nice. uh, partially on Yoko Ono. All right. I guess maybe like okay. the, way the, the way she talks or something, because Maud has a very distinct vocal pattern there's no way in hell that's her real mm-hmm. accent she's definitely putting on airs oh 100 percent. yeah when she's like i'm trying to conceive you know it's like kind of it's almost british you know it's like high it's like high class high society type uh i love I, I love her to death man um i you know i, I love that i love that her and psh are in boogie nights 97 big lebowski 98 and magnolia 99 Oof. like decisions Th- those are some good decisions <laughs> I love how she keeps like trying to trap the dude into like being uncomfortable around like female form and like, you know, female body like terms. And he's just like, what? <laughs> like he doesn't care. Vagina. You mean vagina? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, it. I love that. I love that line. And she's like, yes, yes. It's coitus sex. Uh, yeah. She's amazing. She's a great character. Um, obviously becomes super essential to the story. And she's one of those one of those random ass nineties characters that just kind of sticks with you. And, you know, she, she's, she's like on the main poster. It's her, it's, you know, it's from the, it's from when Jackie Treehorn, you know, um, slips some stuff into his white Russian and he has this wild dream. And that's, uh, that's like became like the poster was when they're, they're holding the bowling ball together. It's like iconic. It's so cool. Oh yeah. There's so many iconic moments of this movie. It's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, this had me rolling. The character of Jesus Quintana, who yes. uh, the one of the weirdest movie characters of all time, played played by a guy who's like Jewish, 
yeah. It, if I had more room in my thesis, I would have done a whole thing on Turturro and the Big Lebowski, but it w- didn't fit. Um, this this character was inspired in part by a performance that the Coens had seen Turturro give in 1988 in a play called Mi Puta Vida, in which he played a self-described pederast. And the Coens said, "We," and I quote, so we thought, let's make Turturro a pederast. It'll be something he can really run with. Yeah, <laughs> quite, quite literally. Oh uh, yeah, and what a what a heat check performance from him, you know. Um, from the licking of the ball, you know, to the to the to the. Uh, I think they like put a sack of seeds in his crotch so that it would like be a bulge. I I read that somewhere. There's like a sack of like sunflower seeds or some shit like that. They put <laughs> they put in his pants. His purple, his like lavender pants, like oh god, the it's one of the best introductions in movie history. From like the Gypsy Kings cover of Hotel California, yeah, and just this you know dude and Walter and Donnie just looking at this guy like, what a creep. To him, like yeah. just you know the weird, slightly sexual way he's cleaning the ball, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I I love the line uh, from from the dude when he says that creep can roll, man. <laughs> fucking Quintana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, Walter in his mind is thinking of so many like horrible things. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Oh, God. Uh, the Coens wrote the big, I thought this was crazy. The Coens wrote the Big Lebowski around the same time as Barton Fink. So they had this in their pocket for a good seven years before they decided to make it. When the Coen brothers wanted to make it, John Goodman was filming Roseanne and Jeff Bridges was doing the Walter Hill film Wild Bill. So since they couldn't get John and Jeff at the time, they thought, all right, let's just make something else. And that was Fargo. Fargo was an afterthought because they wanted to do Lebowski, but they couldn't get the Dreamcast. It makes sense. Fargo is very simple. It's it's like at the heart of, you know, it's where they live, you know, where they're from. It's dealing with people that they probably, you know, grew up, you know, hearing these, you know, this, this accent and these type of, you know, these type of small town people. It just works. Like Fargo, you can tell is something that they could have done at the drop of a hat. Like, yeah, that's just in our, that's just, that's just who we are. Like we could just write stuff like this. And and, it, and it's, it's funny because it's the movie that they're probably most known for that one in no country. You know, it's, those are the two big Oscar movies. So I, like that's that's really cool and when you win an oscar for screenplay you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want next and so it's cool that they got to go back and do this thing that they've been wanting to do for a while you know the big lebowski so uh fantastic i love that that's the way it worked out well i love it because most people would think fargo is the lifelong passion project and lebowski is the afterthought fun thing they want that they you know could do when they could write their own ticket but no, it's the opposite. Lebowski was the passion project and Fargo was there off the cuff. We got to make something movie. That's, yeah. That's yeah. I, th- I think, I think most people would think that for some reason I find it, I feel like they could write tons of Fargo's because they're just like, yeah, that maybe that's a passion project, but like, it's just, it's been there for so long that like we haven't really, there, there's not like a lot of thought required. The Big Lebowski is is you know is is a is a fucking California movie like through and through, and it's like it's an LA movie uh, dealing with you know 
these wild charismatic characters, you know, hippies and, you know, that's what California is. It's like a hodgepodge of all kinds of different people. And that they, they, they nailed that so well. Whereas Fargo is like, yeah, we can, we can do that any day of the week. I love the way that they approach writer's block. Their solution to writer's block is write something else. <laughs> it's yeah. When they got, you know, for example, when they got writer's block on Miller's, on Miller's Crossing, they started writing Barton Fink, a story about writer's block. And then, you know, when that was done, they were like, hey, and they were rejuvenated and they went back to Miller's Crossing and they finished that up and voila, you got two scripts. Yeah. And that's 1990 and 1991. Bang, bang. You know, <laughs> fantastic stuff. Uh, you know, they then they do Hudsucker Proxy, like, fuck off. Like, that's an amazing screenplay. Like, fuck you guys. No one talks about that movie, but it's so good. Like, ah, I can't stand them. <laughs> you know, for kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love Hudsucker. Oh, geez, dude. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, it's I, there's not many that I don't enjoy. So, I like, even my least favorite, I still, I'll still find a way to have fun. Like, I had heard, you know, most people say their work, their weakest film was uh, Intolerable Cruelty, 2003. When I finally watched that, I was like, this is enjoyable. Like, I don't get it. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun here. I love watching Clooney lust after an obvious gold digger. <laughs> it's, if that's their, their worst, you know, like that and the Lady Killers, like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll take it. I refuse to accept the Lady Killers as a misfire. That movie is hilarious. It's fun. It's a great story. And yeah, that's all there, you know, that's all there is to it. I haven't seen the lady killers in so long. That's the one I've like, I, I just, I need to rewatch that one. It's been forever, but like all, all the others, you know, inside Lowen Davis and these other movies I've seen, you know, a handful of times, like even true grit. I've seen a handful of times and uh, yeah, I just battled a buster scrugs. I've seen a couple of times. Like, I, yeah, I just, I love these guys to death. They're just anytime. And right now, honestly, as I'm doing this, I'm like, maybe I will go back and watch lady killers. Maybe that's my next watch. I don't know. Like who, wh- who stopped me from doing a fucking Cohen marathon? Who's stopping me? <laughs> I, yeah, I'll, I'll randomly do that. Like watching just one of their films puts me in the mood to watch another one of their films. And then I just want to stay in that world. It's this tapestry they've created, you know, that you're, once you're in, you're kind of in, you're in the room and you want, you, you want to go upstairs. You want to go to the, the guest room. You want to, you want to explore the whole damn thing. And uh, I guess the Lady Killers is kind of like the garage, and I want to go there too. <laughs> <laughs> when you've got J.K. Simmons playing a character named Garth Pancake, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's one of the movies where like they got a bunch of people that like they haven't worked with or haven't worked with since. That's like that's that's cool. I like that they've done that. Yeah, their ensembles are to die for. They really are. Oh, so once they were able to get, you know, Jeff Bridges was was free john goodman was free they made the big lebowski it was a modest hit grossed about 46 million on a budget of 15 million and uh critics weren't kind the response was pretty mixed many praised jeff bridge's performance but they called the film aimless bizarre hard to get into and it kind of just fell off the radar and the cohen's moved on they did over other where art thou got a couple more oscar nominations and they were back in the good graces of the academy uh but lebowski didn't go away it took on a life of its no. own. It's become one of the most, like one of the, I think a film that like defines cult classic better than maybe any other. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone to a, gotten to a point where it's like, 
even this like original cult classic isn't a cult classic anymore because so many people love it. It's not like a cult anymore. It's the cult yeah. part of it. The cult part of it is is everyone who loves Lebowski is is like head over heels obsessed with it to the point where like you're as annoying as you you and I are about it. <laughs> like like where it's like okay like we get it shut up you know like well, you you like that movie but please move on. Like once you get rolling with the big Lebowski you like. You find someone who likes it, you can't stop, as you see here right now. Like you start quoting it, you start talking about the ins and outs of it, you start talking about what the movie means, you start talking about the Coens, you start talking about Jeff Bridges. There's so many doors that open where you're like, oh my god, you find someone who likes it, you're like, ah, you know, that's the cult part to me. Is we're all we're all drinking that Kool Aid for sure. I had a poster in my freshman dorm room that said WWTJD what would the Jesus do? And it had Quintana on it. And my roommate had no idea what, the, like he thought I was a Catholic and this was some weird Jesus. And I'm like, no, it's a movie. Oh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> I also had a, a throw pillow that said Neil before Zod. So I was sending off some weird signals. Uh, <laughs> I'll admit that it was, it, it was, it was my bad. <laughs> I looked like I a looked, weird roommate. <laughs> yeah, the guy goes to his buddies like, this guy's fucking weird man he's he's got some pillow but then you know one of his friends is like dude you don't know what that is you know <laughs> yeah it's like i don't know what weird ass god he's he's praying to but it's it's not mine <laughs> yeah zod jesus cantana I, I don't know <laughs> uh and also i can't think of any other movie that like inspired a festival you know lebowski fest happens every year people dress up as characters from the movie they dress up as you know white Russians and that people from the film come and talk sometimes. And they have just a giant ass festival celebrating the film. I mean, that's crazy. Like no, very few films take on that kind of life and become something so significant to people that they go out of their way to celebrate it once a year. Yeah. That's special. And there's the, there's the whole like religion, the, you know, (laughs) That, Dude is that's a- behind yeah there's 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 that too so yeah yeah like people are freaks about this movie and and that brings up a good point that i don't need to spend too much time on but this movie does have i do hesitate a little bit depending on who i'm talking to where do i like really show my colors here and talk about how much i love this movie because there are fans out there that i don't think like it for the same reasons i do very, very similar to, to a movie like Fight Club, mm. where, like, for whatever reason, Big Lebowski has become, I mean, not, eh, the writing's on the wall. Like, you know, you got, like, a stoner character, the dude, called the dude. Like, you're going to have, like, kids in, like, fraternities and shit have, like, a dude abides poster on their wall. And they're like, oh, dude, let's, let's fucking, like, rip the bong and, and watch this movie, man. Like, and, and like, that's not really like like why I like it, you know. I think we've spoken for ourselves on like why we love the movie and like why it's so brilliant to us already. But there there are fans of this movie that I'm like, well, well, go away, <laughs> go the fuck over there. Feel the exact same way uh, uh, about Fight Club, where like, dude, the fighting, oh, like it's sick. It's like ah, like that's not what it's about, you know. Um, it's like a whole character study on talk, toxic masculinity, but okay. You're, it's talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie's talking about you, talking to you. Uh, so Lebowski's always had that to me. It's like a, 
one of the greatest stoner movies of all time when really like he smokes pot like three times like we only see him smoke pot a handful of times you know uh it's not like he's Harold and fucking Kumar you know what I mean like it's not it's not that it's not as dumb as a movie about guys going to White Castle like it's not that dumb while I do have like a soft spot for that movie it's not the Big Lebowski this movie is saying a lot it's got a lot going. It's a lot, a lot shoved into its two-hour runtime. So I don't know. I've always. It depends who I'm talking to, man. Who like if I were like really want to show like oh man like I'm really passionate about that movie. It's it's for different reasons than 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 most fans I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, American Psycho has that same connotation. Oh, it? dude! Oh my god! Yeah, I yeah. I really I really don't let on. I love that movie, but. For way different reasons than than most males. Good God, that was a, a second watch I did recently where I didn't care for the movie that much. This oh, time. there you go, there you go. Yeah, I just found it insufferable, and I found him annoying. I was like, yeah, there's yeah. people who idolize this guy. Like, did they watch the movie, or are they just looking at the memes? He's, he's an absolute piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do hate when the wrong group of douchebags kind of steal our movies. <laughs> It's gonna. It, it always. It always happens. You know. Like I. I look. I. I'm okay with admitting that I'm a bit of a film bro. You know. Like I'm a bit of like a. Yeah. Look. You know. Like I. I. I like. I like dudes in movies. Like yeah. Fuck yeah. Like I. I. I get it. Like die hard. But. I also try to like, separate that. You know, from like when I'm having a conversation with someone about something and trying to actually figure out why they like it or why I, why I like it. Um. I, I I get it, but some people don't let that shit go. They're like, they're like, like any anything that's you know not fucking cursing out the wazoo and and action packed. They're like, that's oh, boring, you know. Like, I, I'm I'm not I'm not like that, you know. Like like while I while I love this movie, like one of my other favorite movies of all time is like in the mood for love, you know. Like it's a, you know you know what I mean. I I'm not I'm fucking I'm fluid. I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not someone who just who just kind of picks things and, and is like oh this is my favorite because that's like what i'm supposed to like well the the big difference is films complement our personalities films are not our personalities ah yes yeah yeah well said you know people people fill their identity with stuff that they should not be filling it with <laughs> you no, know find your own identity do not let you know do not consume products to fill the void that is you Find yeah. who you are and then find things that complement that and you will be a whole person. Yeah, yeah. That's that's well said. I like that. Uh, I think yeah, I think a lot of people have a problem with that, especially with, with this movie in particular. So, of course, there's these two 20-something-year-old dudes doing an episode on The Big Lebowski and we're speaking to you about <laughs> the problems with its fandom. But there are, <laughs> there, are also, there, there are also people out there who are like us and they want to dissect the movie. They want to dissect like what it means politically, religiously, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of where, why I'm here. That's why I wanted to do this episode. Fun fact. I am ordained as a Dudist priest. Good for you, man. How'd you do that? Turns out you just go online and do it. There's not really much to it. You can print off a certificate in certain States. I can officiate weddings as a ordained priest. Yeah. What States? Like, is it like a lot or No. It's just not a lot. Cal- it's California. is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Not Texas. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. That would have been hilarious if, if, if you could have officiated my wedding as, 
you know, a, a priest, uh, the dude abides. That would have been funny. Yeah, to us. I don't know about anybody, everybody else. <laughs> yeah, like, I would have liked it, you would have liked it, then my brother Jeremy would have liked it. That's that's, that's Everyone else it. would be confused and probably a little offended. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah, for sure. So, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I don't worship pretty much anything, but, you know, the idea of dudism is just, you know, taking it easy and being a friend and try not to take life that seriously, which I can get behind. There you go. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, the Big Lebowski has an IMDb score of 8.1, which is great. Rotten Tomatoes score of 79%. Critics consensus reads, the Big Lebowski's shaggy dog story won't satisfy everybody. <laughs> but the, Yeah, shaggy dog story. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> what? <laughs> but those who abide will be treated to a rambling succession of comic delights with Jeff Bridges' laconic performance really tying the movie together. Sounds to me like they really wanted to throw a lot of references into there, but didn't quite <laughs> figure out how to make that land. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love that. I love whoever wrote that. That's, that's hilarious. And the film is currently streaming on Peacock if you want to watch for yourself. I mean, I don't know why you'd be this deep into this episode if you've never seen The Big Lebowski, but that's where you can go to watch it if you are curious. Yeah, or, or you know, if you want to rewatch it, you know, Peacock, but this is one of those that should be on your shelf. Let's be honest. Yeah. Odds are, you know, somebody you can go to any used film store. You'll find a lot of copies of the big Lebowski from all those weirdos who couldn't quite get into it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the easiest films to find. It's a, it's a bona fide classic. Yeah. hundred percent. 25 years later. Uh, just it's yeah, it's, it's, it's in our DNA as movie fans now. Damn straight. So with that, let's give some awards to this thing. Oh, boy. Here we go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so our awards kind of combining the classiness of Oscar Sunday with the absurdity of Beyond the Bad. We have the Quentin Tarantino Award for the best line of the film. The Thomas Newman Award for the best music moment of the film. The Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance. And this is one of those delightfully rare opportunities where it could actually go to Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> marvelous <laughs> and the john carpenter award for the best scene of the film this is we were in agreement that this has been one of the most difficult films ever to give awards to because every moment of this film is just pure gold and picking favorites is pretty impossible but we try yeah yeah the, the the one thing that this movie has going for it as far as picking like specific moments is it's very episodic and it's kind of like, here's this thing that happens this night. And then the next day, this thing happens. It's very, that's what makes it like kind of easy to follow as well. We are never like wondering, it's not holding your hand. Like you said, it's not spoon feeding you, but it's also, if you're a movie watcher, you're going to, you're going to enjoy the way we get from point A to point B each in each moment. So I, I did find it easy to pinpoint my favorite part of the movie. As far as that goes, it's just which one. Uh, so yeah, the John Carpenter's totally up in the air. Um, uh, I have a few things written down and I, I have to circle one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious where we, uh, where we went with this. So uh, why don't you start us off with your Tarantino award? I chose a simple line from Bunny Lebowski. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just want to say that out loud. <laughs> I was thinking, like, really? In the whole scheme of the film? Uh, really? Bunny? Uh, 
Yeah, this is so this is so fucking hard. Um, you know, I I have I have one written down, and I'm I'm like I love it. It makes me laugh so fucking hard. It's probably the moment that makes me laugh the most, outside of some obvious you know obvious like one liners. Um, I almost chose the opening lines of the movie from The Stranger, uh, from from Sam Elliott. That it's really long. That whole bit, just like brilliant, brilliantly written, incredible stuff in. The delivery from Sam is, is is wonderful, but the funniest moment to me, as as many great lines as Walter has, it's from something that Walter does, and the way uh, the dude uh, responds is 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 my is my Tarantino. So the, close to the end of the movie, uh, they're they're throwing Danny's ashes, Don, Donnie's ashes to the to the ocean, <laughs> and uh, you know it's like in a Folgers, you know, coffee full can uh you know and, and walter tries to pour it out and the wind's blowing goes back in the dude's face and like all over his hair <laughs> it's so funny because walter doesn't really realize it but he sees some of it on his shoulder and he's like oh shit and then he looks back at the dude and the dude is covered in, in ashes and donnie's ashes and uh you know he, he does this whole bit about like you know, he goes back to, he starts talking about Vietnam and he's like, tr- you know, trying to do a eulogy for Donnie. And the dude <laughs> says, God damn you, Walter, you fucking asshole. Everything's a fucking travesty with you, man. And what was all that shit about Vietnam? <laughs> what the fuck has that got to do with Vietnam? What the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> but my favorite, like, Probably my favorite movie line of all time is everything's a fucking travesty with you. <laughs> oh, it's such a good line. And the dude, you can feel Jeff Bridges like exhaustion. Uh, you can feel it uh, when he's yelling at Walter and Walter's like he just hugs him and he's like, it'll be okay. And he's like, fuck it, dude, let's go bowl. <laughs> it's my favorite like run of dialogue between them two. I uh, just it kills me every time. Like I, I can't, like I just start crying because it, it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> Cause he talks about Vietnam the whole movie. And finally the dude is like, stop <laughs> for one second. Just like that has nothing to do with anything we're doing here. So it's, yeah, it's, it's the thing that makes me laugh the hardest and I had to choose it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, my favorite moment of that scene is during the eulogy when Walter's like, so in accordance with what your dying wishes might well have been, like yeah. they don't fucking know if this is what he yeah. wanted. I, I love the scene that leads up to that when the guy's like, "It's our modest, it's our most modestly priced receptacle." What is this? Hundred eighty dollars. They range up to three thousand. Scattering the fucking ashes just because we're bereaved doesn't make us saps. Is there is there a Ralphs around here? Yeah. Oh, I kind man. of agree yeah. with Walter in that in that moment. It's like, yeah, like you shouldn't have to pay for that. Just give him a box. You're supposed to give him a box. Yeah, unless you're gonna, unless the urn is something you're gonna keep and like put yeah. in your house. I yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. They're uh, screwing him. They're 100 screwing him, and Walter's pointing it out. And I, I want, I, I, I want something similar to happen to me when I die. Uh, I, I, I don't want to really be buried. I want to be cremated, and like I, I hope whoever does that, like has the same attitude as Walt. <laughs> it's like, I'm not paying $180 so I can like spread this guy's ashes. You know, I hope, I, ho- I hope whoever goes, whoever it is at that time in my life, whenever that is, I, I-, I hope they're, they have the same attitude. When I die and I'm cremated, I want my ashes in a Folgers coffee can 
And I yeah. want you and Caleb to go to California and recreate that scene. <laughs> <laughs> so you're Donnie in this. Yeah, in this I've been cremated. I'm I'm gone. So one of you uh, gives the eulogy. One of you gets sprayed. Well, uh, you know, at that point, Caleb will be a veteran. So, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll be the I'll be the dude. He could be Walter. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't even I didn't even think of that. Yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> oh man! Wow! Oh, that's that, Yeah, that's great. I love that. We're we're talking about our deaths right now. So <laughs> I'll be gone. I won't give a shit. Yeah. No. No. True. True. I, yeah. I just I I don't want the whole coffin burial thing all that expensive shit i just nah i'm 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 not worth it and nor is any other human being to be honest with you <laughs> yeah i think we treat the dead with a little too much reverence frankly yeah like yeah it's yeah it's insane is, at is that point a, it's meat throw it away yeah is there a funeral home around here yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't want anybody to have to ask that i don't i don't yeah, I don't want my death to inconvenience something important. Yeah, it's basically like when I'm dead, I have the same attitude as when I'm alive. I don't want to inconvenience a soul. Yeah, it's not my problem. That's my that's my philosophy towards death. It's not my once it's once it happens to me, it's not my problem anymore. Hundred percent. What's yeah. what's your Tarantino? That got insanely uh, dark. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I love I, it. I've been torn it. between two quotes for like for a week now. And it's just, I can't pick between these two. I'm all right. I'm going to go. All right. This is the one I'm going to pick, but then I'm going to shout out my honorable mention, which is just as good. Uh, this comes from the scene where Walter and is talking about Quintana and telling the, the dude about him and, Donnie pipes in with like, who's a petter ass Walter? <laughs> and Walter <laughs> responds with, life does not stop and start at your convenience, <laughs> miserable piece of shit. <laughs> I love that. I love how Donnie, Donnie is not a miserable piece of shit. He's the best bowler. He bowls, he almost bowls because they show him bowling the most out of anybody. They never show the dude bowl. He bowls a perfect game until that last that last frame and it's like oh man you like he knew he was gonna die but I, I i love donnie so much i love the yeah i my brother says to me all the time you're out of your element austin <laughs> <laughs> jeremy says that to me all the time like if i'm if i do something similar to that like i wander into a conversation or or whatever see he's always treated me like donnie <laughs> shut the fuck up donnie yeah just, i love <laughs> casually just constantly throwing at him i love the whole you know i am the walrus he quotes yeah. Lennon and he's like, God damn it, Donnie. VI Lennon. Yeah, yeah. I am the walrus. Yeah, it's so good. Such a good touch. Oh, yeah. So I, I say that all the time. Life does not stop and start at your convenience. I just I, I love that because it's irritating when you know I hate having to repeat myself because somebody wasn't paying attention. That's that's one of my biggest pet peeves in life. Yeah. And I get I have this quote to throw back at them like, no. Life does not stop and start at your convenience. You missed the matinee, so you don't get to go to the movies. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. Exactly right. Uh, and my other line comes from a just such a great scene in the movie. It doesn't need to be there. It adds nothing, but it's 
it's so fucking funny. It's when dude gets arrested by the chief of police of Malibu. <laughs> and yes. This dude's just like, ugh, like he's he's going through the dude's wallet, and the only ID he has is a Ralph's club card. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, dude is clearly fucked up from whatever Treehorn drugged him on. And the chief of police is like, all right, Mr. Treehorn draws a lot of water in this town. You don't draw shit, Lebowski. Now we got a nice, <laughs> quiet little beach community here, and I aim to keep it nice and quiet. So let me make something plain. I don't like you sucking around bothering our citizens, Lebowski. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off <laughs> behavior. And I don't like you, jerk-off. <laughs> Do I make myself clear? And then dude responds with, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> He throws the fucking mug at him, and dude goes fucking fascist, and it's just such a perfect moment. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's one of the more underrated scenes of the movies when he gets arrested in Malibu. Yeah, <laughs> fucking fascist. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh man, I love that stretch of the movie from Jackie Treehorns to to him going back to his place and it's fucking destroyed. Like, oh man, it's just pristine stuff. It's so great. Just this, like, why is the whole, you know, just, I don't like, I don't like you sucking around. I love that line. I don't know what the fuck that means, but I love it. Yeah. This <laughs> is the only form of ID you have. Uh... And, then he, and then he opens the fucking, like, etching of the dude with the giant cock from yeah. tree horns, and he's like, Ugh. just kind of, like, <laughs> exasperated, like, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't get over it, man. It's... It's perfect stuff. Perfect stuff. So that's a great pick. I, I also love uh, after Bunny when she says, "I'll suck your cock for your cock for a thousand dollars." Brent's like, "Oh, <laughs> wonderful woman. <laughs> we love, we love her, her spirit, her very, very free spirited." <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Oh man, it's so so good. There's just so many golden lines. Um, I, I yeah, and we could keep going forever. So we better, <laughs> yeah, we better stop. Otherwise, we'll be entering a world of pain. <laughs> you think I'm walking hey, around here, Marcus? Here, right? <laughs> <I love> <laughs> am I the only one who gives a fuck about the rules around here? Has the whole oh, world well. gone crazy? <laughs> oh man. There's rules. <laughs> it's not Nam. This is bowling. <laughs> <laughs> so it brings up <laughs> Vietnam as many times as he possibly can. I, I love the line of uh, when he's like, oh, I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe by 3 p.m. <laughs> With nail polish. <laughs> I love oh, I'm, towards the I'm end. When my coffee. <laughs> oh, please, dear. <laughs> Such an <laughs> asshole. Um, when they're in the van on their way to the Big Lebowski's uh mansion to like you know confront him and dude finally confronts walter about his his jewishness it's like (laughs) dude you're polish catholic like why are you still drafting like like you're jewish and walter's like what you just turn in your library card when you get divorced you just you stop being jewish you're living in the fucking past man he goes three thousand years of beautiful tradition from moses to sandy koufax you're goddamn right i'm living in the fucking past sandy koufax (laughs) Oh. <laughs> you brought your, you brought her Pomeranian to bowl. I'm not gonna buy a beer, dude. It's not gonna bowl for me, dude. 
<laughs> I didn't rent its shoes. It's not taking yeah. a fucking turn, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's oh, not even man. a Pomeranian. <laughs> no, it's not. That's one of the best parts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This <sighs> we could do this all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the Thomas Newman Award, the best music moment. This this film supports <laughs> quite the epic soundtrack. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Jesus, yeah. man. Um I have three three songs. <laughs> I can't I can't stop myself uh with this movie. It's it's so fucking difficult. Uh, part of me wants to pick CCR because of like the love that it gets, but deep down, I have to go with just dropped in. Mm. <laughs> I do. I love that scene. I love the the pageantry of it. The you know the the kind of dream sequence, how out of left field it is, how ridiculous it is, and how much of like an acid trip it feels like. It's just insane what goes on in the gutter balls you know, kind of a scene. Uh, so the choreography is great. All that's great. But the song, the song is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs to listen to. Like when I'm driving, I, I just adore it. You know, when you're approaching somewhere, I love hearing that song, like playing makes me feel like I'm in the movies. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. You know, just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in is one of the coolest lines ever written. So I, I had to go with that, but the, you know, the CCR, there's two CCR songs that I, it was hard to not pick those um, also because of the moments that they happen. But, oh, this is a banger of a soundtrack, so you can't go wrong. Yeah, I, my favorite thing about that scene are the throwbacks to all the random little moments that have happened in the dude's adventure thus yeah. far. Like, you know, he's wearing the fucking cable guy outfit from Logjamming. Yeah. Yep. Saddam Hussein's at the bowling shoe place. It's just little shit like that always makes me happy. Oh, Saddam, Saddam, yeah, <laughs> Saddam in the Iraqi. <laughs> uh, yeah, Credence, the uh, you know, looking out my back door as he's driving through L.A., a little happy, and then he drops his joint in his lap and crashes again. Yeah, <laughs> fucks up his day again. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's that's like an awesome. I we've all had one of those moments where like maybe you're listening to the radio and the right song comes on and you're like, ah, yes matches where I'm like, where I'm at, you know, anytime that uh, song comes on, I immediately just, you know, slap the roof. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Me too. I do that with a lot of songs, but specifically that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, this was one of the first things I wrote down. It's the opening credits, the man in me by Bob Dylan. Yeah. Whenever I hear that, I am immediately, free of any negative thoughts any bad day i was having that song comes on when i'm watching this movie i'm like oh okay lebowski's here i'm in good hands next couple hours are going to be fantastic yeah it just puts me at ease it makes me happy so yeah this was this would it's a fucking great song yeah yeah uh the lyrics are super fascinating just like the movie is and it's it's perfect for just kind of the montage we get of of the bowling alley and yeah, it's it, it's it's quintessential. Um, I love, I love the how quickly we go from tumbling thumbleweeds, tumbleweeds, sorry, to to that. Like it's such a good bang bang, uh, right out the gate. We're like, oh wow, this is it's a special soundtrack. You know, unique stuff. And the next song that plays is ooh cha cha cha. Man, where are we? Like this is just this is awesome. Like these choices are so unique and so cool. Uh, so yeah, man and me can't go wrong with that one. I, the Run through the jungle is the one that I was like, oh man, like 
because that scene is so good. You know, um, he's like, pass me the ringer, dude. <laughs> you know, like Walter's so hung up on the ringer, his his dirty underwear, uh, his laundry. It's such a brilliant scene. It really it really turns the movie into like a pretty tough place. Like it's all it's all uphill from there. I love when he's like, give me the Uzi. I'm like, Uzi? You didn't think I was rolling out of here naked, did you? All right, let's <laughs> yeah. take that hill. And he leaps out of the car. <laughs> yeah, 15 MPH. <laughs> I grab one of them, beat it out of him. Just, yeah. Oh, my God. He beat it out of him. <laughs> like, he proves that, though. At the end of the movie, he proves, like, oh, I can fucking, he can fight. Like, holy shit, that guy might have actually been a nom. Yeah. <laughs> Anti-Semite. <laughs> Punches yeah. him right in the face. <laughs> Yeah, he has no problem just taking these dudes out left and right. Uh, yeah, which they're great. Uh, Autobahn, they're oh man, like brilliant casting. Um, so yeah, that, that's good stuff. But yeah, good good pick. So you went, you went the man to me. I went um, just dropped in. Those are both yeah quintessential moments in the movie. Phil Schumer Hoffman. Mm. Are you right? Re- oh, are we man. ready? I think we are. Yeah, <clears throat> this is a performance piece. The Coens. You know, obviously the writing stands strong with all of their films, but they know how to get performances out of their actors. And this movie, hot damn, has some of the best, some career best for some people. So who did you go with? Who wins the movie? It's it's Goodman. It is. It's Goodman. (laughs) Everybody, everybody's excellent, like excellent, not just good, but excellent. Uh, Every supporting role. Uh, I wouldn't even call him supporting. He's he is he's in it so much. He's in so many so many amazing scenes. Uh, while while I love Jeff Bridges' performance and how just kind of iconic that character, the dude is. Uh, in some ways, he is just teeing up Walter. He's just teeing up John Goodman. Like here you go, buddy. Like knock that shit out of the park. And he knows it. You know he he. I've heard him talk about it where. Bridges is like, yeah, sure. Like I'm on the poster, but like the movie, it's Walter's movie. Like, like it's, you know, like that character is so incredible. And if you're listening earlier, you heard me say that it, it really might be the greatest American character ever written. Like when I think about all my favorite movie characters that like original, original movie characters, you know, you take away comic books and characters from different books and whatnot. You know, it takes away a, a huge, huge percentage of our characters the fact that Walter came from different aspects of different people that they, that the Coens knew and it turned into this is, is it's perfect. It's a match made in heaven. And John Goodman, it's, it's by far his best performance of his career. While he has a bunch of great shit, this, this is it. Like this is, this is the role. And you know, one of my favorite things that I kind of, the, the, one of the things I realized last night while watching it was 1998, John Goodman, what, 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 I wonder what was the first thing I saw John Goodman in? Monster Inc. <laughs> yeah. Three years later, 2001, six years old. I fell in love with Sully. You know, Sully was my guy. I had stuffed, you know, stuffed animals of Sully, uh, you know, like little toys and d- different things of him, Randall and Mike. And that's so cool that. I didn't know who he was, of course, at six years old, John Goodman. I had no, you know, no connection to him. But somewhere down the line in my own life, he became like one of my favorite characters, character actors of all time. And that's like such a unique ride that we go on as children. These, these super talented people that voice the characters that we fall in love with as children that are animated. 
when you get older, you like see them for real and you're like, Oh my God, like you put two and two together and your whole life kind of makes sense. <laughs> it's really cool. Your whole movie life makes more sense. So I had that kind of moment last night. I've never really put that together. Like, Holy shit. This is three years before monsters Inc three. Like that's insane. Big Lebowski was just starting to take off as its own entity, you know, as its own movie, as its own cult classic. So I, I love that. And, um, but the, the PSH, it was never really a question in my mind. While there's competition, he's he's the number one seed. And it's it's not really that close in my mind. Everybody else is, is below him. And they're on like a level playing field. <laughs> you know, Jeff Jeff Bridges, uh, Julianne Moore, Philip Simmerhoff. Like all those people are kind of on the same playing field. And then Walter's up here just fucking throwing, throwing ringers at him. So he's, he's the best. Yeah, it is. It's my favorite uh, John Goodman performance. It might be my favorite movie character of all time. Walter Subcheck. I I went down the line of I, I made a Coen Brothers characters list, and I was like, he's my favorite. If he's my favorite Coen Brothers, char- you know, character, yeah. him, it's probably him, Hi, and uh, Anton Sugar. Those are probably like my three favorite characters that they've ever like put to the screen. And Walter's just I, he's just my favorite. He's the man. Like I. Anton, of course, is like the most frightening person of all time. And and high, uh, HI is kind of like a precursor to the dude. But Walter is his own his own thing that they've never done again. Because they how can you? How can you rewrite that? <laughs> you can't. He's the the asshole friend who makes every situation worse. And but you know, you love the guy for some reason. I don't know I'd love to know where the dude's loyalty to Walter lies. I don't know. They had to have been like high school buddies. They like there has to be like a long, long history. Yeah, dude was a conscientious objector. Walter went to Nam, came back a little different. <laughs> yeah, but he's like he's, you know, we all have like we all have those friends who are like, yeah, they're kind of a douchebag, but they're my douchebag. You know, <laughs> they're they're my they're that's my buddy. Like <laughs> and stand down. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and in the end, Walter is completely right about everything. You know when. When he ends up, except for, you know, the big Lebowski can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> he's, he's a fucking fake. Oh, I've never man. been more sure of anything in my life. Walter. <laughs> what, is, what does he say? What's the line when he's like, uh, Walter, Some at some point you're going to have to face the fact that you're a fucking moron. <laughs> Oh, geez. My favorite thing he does, I almost picked this for my line, but it's just, it's too good. He's just constantly, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Yeah. Just constantly saying that shit. You know, one time, you know, dude snaps, no, Walter, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. He's just like, okay, then. Like he, like he won. (laughs) (laughs) I love when they're talking about Bunny and he's like, that fucking bitch. He just he can't let that fucking slut. Like he just can't let it go. <laughs> He's so it, fucking angry. Immediately, it's personal as hell. Like it happened to yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the thing. Is not only we haven't really talked about this yet, but he calls the entire fucking movie. He calls every shot, and the dude is like, "You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man." And but he knows, like it's a it's someone else's toe. It's not Bunny's toe. Like he knows. He calls everything. Uh, it's in, it's incredible what he does in this movie without even trying. <laughs> yeah, the whole you know his whole thing with nihilism. He's like, you know, 
say what you want about the tenets of national socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> Just, yeah. His fucking, yeah. you know, surface level intelligence always makes me like he's got real emotional problems, man. I'm like, other than pacifism. <laughs> well, I did not know that. <laughs> Come on, you, dude. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect performance. It's it's yeah, quintessential John Goodman. It's the if I was gonna introduce somebody to John Goodman, this is the performance I would choose. <laughs> I mean, good God. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, if, if if Goodman was not on the table, if I had to pick somebody else, uh, Peter Stermare, I love him in yeah. this as yes. know, Uli, the the co-star in the beaver picture, as yeah. Maude calls him. <laughs> you mean vagina? You mean, I mean, you know the guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I love, I love, I love the porn, the porno film. Uh, log jamming when Maude is showing it to to the dude and she's like she's like making fun of the story she's like oh and you can guess where it goes from here <laughs> and he yeah he shows up with like yeah that that outfit that that gets repeated in the the dream sequence and he's like i'm here to fix the cable <laughs> i have heard there is you're, something wrong with dinah cobble yeah, he reminds me of like what Mac is doing in that It's Always Sunny episode, and he's like, "I am a Swedish plumber. I come to fix your pipes." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, God, God, Christ. good heavens, man! Uh, it's just great, great stuff. Uh, mm. uh, this, yeah, this movie, this movie, these characters. Uh, yeah, that's a good. I, I like Peter's. Your kind of like random call. Yeah, um, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, he's not in it a bunch, but my God, like Brant is. He grabs hold of you right away. You're like, oh, who, who is that guy? You know, and this is one of those PSH roles where I feel like he's just fucking doing it in his sleep. Like he just looked easy. Like he looked, he looked at like one line of dialogue from Brant and was like, oh yeah, I got, I, I got this. I, I know, I know what you want here, Mister, Mister Cohen's. Yeah. Well, I love you know his his introduction where he's like giving the spiel, bragging about his boss's accomplishments, which is such a weird thing to do. Yeah. And do you think that do you think Brant knows it's all a farce? Does Brant know that? I think Brant is fiercely loyal and thinks this is all real. Because when, when he's in seclusion and like he's talking, you know, the big Lebowski's talking about, you know, strong men also cry. <laughs> and it pans over and Brant is like sobbing silently to himself. <laughs> like he's in. <laughs> the, the first time we meet, uh, or, or when the dude and the big Lebowski meet, um, no, no, it's that time. It's when he's in seclusion. It's, just, it's that other time when he goes in the, the fireplace. Yeah. When he opens the doors, Phillips from Hoffman, it's, I, I can't explain it. Like, it's, it makes me cackle like a goddamn hyena. The way he <laughs> opens them and then steps to the side so the dude can walk by. Uh, you mind if I light a J? Uh, I, like, I, I, I love that whole run, that whole run. Like, PSH, he chews up like every little part he's given. Uh, and he's, he just gnaws on it. And it's like, Man, the facial expressions, like he, everything, he's just he's just doing what he does. You know, it's it's PSH. What what I wish would have happened is, I wish they would have picked him to be like the star of one of their movies at some point. Mm. That yeah. would have been that would have been special if he could have had like a big part. You know, in I don't know, in uh, Inside Lewin Davis or something. You know what I mean? I feel like he he he. I feel like he got it and he didn't get another chance. So that sucks. Yeah, but we got Brant. And I'm oh, happy yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. 
I'll take Brad all day. Yeah. Yeah. When he's doing his like spiel about, you know, Lebowski's accomplishments and he has that moment where he like repeats himself, you know, without the necessary means for a necessary means for a higher education. I always wondered like, why did he do that? And it occurred to me recently, it's because he's given this speech so many times that it's queued up in his head and dude is doing weird shit and it's distracting him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you are he's right. touching things. He's asking weird questions. He's not ready for this guy. So he it's it's fucking with his process. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, this guy won't accept my. Hey, I love when he keeps touching the head things. Mm, please. <laughs> please do not touch that. Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> Urban achievers. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I love when he's like, oh, those are uh, Mr. Lebowski's children. <laughs> he's like, oh, so he's like down with racial. Yeah, racially, he's pretty cool. racially he's pretty cool such a good (laughs) such a good line oh man oh so good see that's probably my second choice like well my second choice is bridges but like if i'm going with a random pick yeah it's psh jesus christ oh yeah fantastic uh or sam or sam elliott jesus christ man yeah just this you know you have to use so many cuss words the fuck you talking about Perfect. yeah yeah some kind of eastern yeah. thing <laughs> i like your style dude yeah i like, uh, I like cowboy thing <laughs> oh man uh yeah jesus christ so good so so last thing we have is the scene is carpenter yeah, the carpenter award what's the best scene of the movie uh for me you touched on it you well we've touched on everything but you touched on it with your your um thomas newman award so when the man in me starts playing and we do the whole like bowling thing, my favorite bit of the movie is when we kind of get introduced to all three of them at the same time. Uh, I mean, what, like what an incredible, incredible, you know, pace for this is how you character develop as fast as possible. Uh, just the, the absurd amount of cursing, Walter immediately shows his cards. Like he's smoking, he's drinking Miller Lite, saying fuck every other word. And the dude like puts his hair up with that weird pin, you know, and and Donnie like comes in and does, you know, oh, you're out of your element. All like all those like amazing lines are like jammed into one five minute scene. And you're just like, okay, I want to hang out with these guys for another two hours. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what you do. And so while there's like amazing moments throughout this movie, if it weren't for how easily they introduced these three guys together, I, I just don't know how well it would work. And that's when we ha- hear them talk about the rug, you know, and, uh, you know, fucking a man <laughs> tied the fucking room together, you know, all that stuff. Those are, there's so many iconic lines right there. <laughs> like the goal, the gold happens right out of the gate, you know? So I, I've, I've always been obsessed with that moment in the movie. Uh, but you know, this, this is like picking amongst your children. So, um, like picking a favorite child, it's it, it ain't easy. So, I'm curious to hear what you have, but for me, it's always kind of been that moment, the the, the bowling alley where we kind of we, we see, you know, we see the guy. Yeah. The uh, what's his name? Uh, Jesus's teammate. Uh, Liam. Liam, yeah. Liam yeah. does that like weird dance. Uh, all the all that stuff. For like, oh, look how strange these people are. You know, the bowling the bowling community, and then we hone in on the strangest of all of them, which is the dude, Walter and Donnie. Great stuff. It is great stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love when Walter's trying to hammer home his point, dude's quite not getting it. 
and he's just you know what the fuck are you talking about and walter has like a like an aneurysm where he's like no what the fuck are you i'm not and he's just like stumbling <laughs> yeah. over his words <laughs> wonderful Fantastic. oh yeah it's a great scene it's a great character introduction moment and uh yeah establishes everybody where they need to be i love that uh for me it's always been the same scene. it's the one it's the biggest scene we haven't talked about yet and it's when Walter, it's plan B, when Walter trashes the bed. <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I, I figure this is coming. You know, this is the obvious uh, Tarantino award, you know. See what happens. But uh, yeah, here we go. Tee it up, man. Yeah, so dude's car gets stolen. They find it. It's all fucked up. Dude finds homework wedged in the seat. Larry Sellers, nephew or uh, son of the noted TV writer Arthur Digby Sellers. <laughs> you ever heard of a little show called Branded, dude? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wrote 156 episodes. Bulk of the series. And yet his son is a fucking dunce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. But um, they go to this, they go to Larry's house to confront him to get the, the million bucks back. There's a Corvette in the driveway or like not on the driveway in like the burbs, you know, parked on the side of the house. And they just assume it's this kid's car because they're idiots. Like a 14 year old is going to go buy a Corvette. (laughs) And um, (laughs) God damn it. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, Jesus Christ, they're so stupid. It's insane. Yeah. So they knock on the door. They talk to Larry. But first, you know, Walter fanboys over Arthur Digby Sellers. (laughs) A good day to you, sir. (laughs) Um, Larry's oh. in, yeah. That whole this whole scene is it could be a short film. It's beautiful. Yeah, I I love I love the lead up to it when they're like, oh, by the In and Out Burger, and he's like, yeah, but the In and Out Burger's on Camrose. Donnie. While they're at like dudes, landlords, like community theater interpretive dance show. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, dude. Oh my god, I love that guy, the landlord, and he's like, oh, hey, dude, it's already the tenth. <laughs> Far out, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You slipped the rent under my door. That guy's so fucking weird. Well, I love it. Even in the midst of all this crazy shit that's happening to him, dude still went to the guy's show. Yeah. Like he said he was yeah. going to go, and he went. Yeah, he's like, it's on Tuesday. All right, I'll be there, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Although Walter calls it the what have you. <laughs> what, what have you? <laughs> um, so Larry is like, you know, this oh. shit. Walter opens a briefcase, pulls out the homework, and he's like, you know, thinks he's got him. He's thinks he's checkmated Larry. You know, is this your homework, Larry? Is this your homework, Larry? And he's like, we know it's his fucking homework. Where's the money? <laughs> it's like, you're killing your father, Larry. I love that. I yell that at my cousin all the time. <laughs> it's a great Walter, line. Walter's just like, all right, time for plan B. And says the immortal line. You might want to watch out that front window, Larry, because this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> I, still, just, I still oh. have that thing they gave out at Draft House. The, yeah. I still have that. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. I'm not giving it up. <laughs> I can't believe they fucking printed that. I really, I thought they were going to print the TV version. You know, is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would actually be really funny, too. I won't. I want both. Oh, Yeah. So Walter goes out there with a crowbar and destroys the Corvette. Smashes in the windows, the lights, and the guy who owns the Corvette comes out and is like, what the fuck are you doing to my car? (laughs) I just got this yesterday! (laughs) And he decides to destroy dude's car. 
because <laughs> he thinks it's Walters and he's just destroying that car. We get a smash cut with Oya Como Va by Santana playing, and you see that they <laughs> still fucking went to In N Out Burger after that, which is my favorite part of it. Dude sitting there insanely pissed off, Walter and Donnie are eating burgers. <laughs> Yeah, I love Donnie's the perfect backseat guy because he's kind of leaning forward, eat, clearly like chowing down on a burger, not saying anything. <laughs> that that oh. whole bit from showing up at Larry's house to In-N-Out Burger might be the funniest stretch of any film I've ever seen. I have ever laughed harder in my life than the first time I saw that. And I continue to laugh that hard to this day, no matter how many times I've seen it. It is fucking hilarious. It's <laughs> just perfect. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you, man. I do think it is the funniest scene in the movie. And yeah, I, it, in the same way that uh, The Stranger says, you know, the dude is really lazy, probably the laziest in all of L.A. County, which gives leaves him high in the running for laziest in the world. <laughs> if you have the funniest scene in The Big Lebowski, chances are you're one of the funniest scenes of all time. So I, I'm with you, man. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Won't say a hero. Because what's a hero? Yeah, uh, I was like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, that that those first lines are boy, brilliant. The opening when the treehorn thugs show up at the wrong house and you know, where's the fucking money shithead and all that flawless. There's so many perfect scenes in this thing. It's ah, like we do this again in a year. I this, these will all probably change. It, it, yeah, it really could. Other than other than John Goodman as Walter, yeah, I might change. Going I might. I might change every other award. And like right now I'm, I'm, I'm like, honestly, I, I want to watch it again. <laughs> I want to watch it. I want to watch this movie again. Like, like, like now, um, uh, very rarely do I feel compelled to watch a movie in back-to-back nights. I might change that. <laughs> <laughs> I really might. Uh, I've never done that with a big Lebowski. I've never like watched it just straight up two nights in a row. I've, I've watched it in close, you know, proximity, but I've never done it. Just bang, bang. Uh, I mean, it's that good. It's that funny. When you start talking about it, you want to be in it. You want to live in it. So this is a, this is a fucking blast. Uh, is there any anything we haven't really trying to think? I feel like we've touched on almost every moment. Um, we really talked that much about Jackie Treehorn. Oh, I love I love that scene. Jackie, him and Jackie, kind of like feeling each other out. Yeah, I love this- the way I love the way the dude lays like on the couch. I mean, it's brilliant. Um, I still jerk off manually. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all the stuff at Mods Mods place is great. That's you know, the other David Thewlis scene is amazing. I love how he's just like the fuck is this guy? You know, uh, and he's holding the Autobahn record. <laughs> so good. I'm sorry uh, if your stepmother is a nympho, but like, I don't see what that has to do with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh um, boy. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I think we've kind of. Oh, 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 man. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, Lebowski gets thrown into the, the limo when he's holding yeah. the drink and, and you have the big Lebowski and Brant and they're like, you know, trying to size him up. Like, where are you? Like, what, like what, what's going on here? You know, that's when they show him the toe. Like, it's such such an awesome scene because he's because the dude is kind of like in a good mood you know like oh, i got my white russian you know i got i got driven by a limo like i'm chilling you know it's, it's all good and, then he, and he holds the drink it stays intact it's in, it's incredible the goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain there's that uh defino the, the brother seamus yeah yeah uh, john john polito um 
I mean, I mean, yeah, every, every scene's just like brilliant. I love when he's kind of like doing his own like Tai Chi thing in his, in his part. The answering machine stuff is brilliant. Like in the background, um, when he's being talked to by his landlord in the background, you can hear, um, he's sipping on a white Russian or is he having milk in that? No, I think he's having a white Russian. He's always having a white Russian. Well, yeah, the only time he really just drinks the milk is at the beginning when he's at the like the at Ralph's, right? Yeah, he's, he's testing the half and half, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." That's such a great scene that you see him like in his sandals. He really is like a a a, a Jesus, a hippie Jesus. You know, he's got he's literally wearing sandals like the whole movie, <laughs> like Jesus. Uh, what was I going to say? I feel like there's some other bit, some other stretch. Um, Oh yeah, the answering machine. Whenever in the background they're talking about the incident with Smokey at the bowling alley, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, uh, we were we were you know told uh, uh, informal, whatever, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, complaint. He's like that. Uh, your teammate uh, opened a, f- a firearm. <laughs> it's so good. And of oh, course, man. you know this. You know contradicts the number of the league's bylaws. Like, there's laws about like yeah. pull a gun. During a game. Yeah. Under law 27A. Yeah. It's, it's it, all that little stuff is it's just so fucking rewarding. Uh oh, the fucking the fucking cop who's like, you they got us working in shifts. Leads. <laughs> Leads. That's that scene's great. Uh, yeah, man. This movie fucking rules. Uh the oh uh, um uh when the, the Audubon guys go to his his place. <laughs> We want the mar- money, Lebowski. The yeah. 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 Hey, this is a private residence, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm housebroken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> endless. It really is endless. Like, yeah. The, I love at the end when the you know the nihilists destroy his car and they're like just trying to, you know, all right, whatever money you have on you, we'll call it even. And Walter's like, fuck you. What's mine is mine. <laughs> yeah. And- and the dude's like, no, like I got four, almost five dollars. And Donnie's like, I got eighteen dollars, dude. I love that one blonde guy who's just like, I fuck you in the ass, just like freaking <laughs> out, doing like kung fu. Oh man, God damn man. I oh. I know I know. Uh, when we stop recording, I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, but that's that's the brilliant. That's like when you know a movie's brilliant. So. Um, we could talk about it all day you could do like a five-hour episode just dissecting every moment in the movie i love when he writes 67 cents on the check at the very beginning at ralph six i love how the dude keeps absorbing dialogue he's heard other people say you know this aggression will not stand you know he uses like parlance of our times even at the end he's like where's the fucking money lebowski yeah yeah i love little things like that oh great stuff he's smiling so hard yeah, my, my like stomach hurts from laughing. Like I'm getting hungry. I'm like exhausted. <laughs> so, it's the best episodes when we get to do this shit. Uh, yeah, I don't really care how long it goes. You know, we're just having having fun. But uh, I believe we have another segment to get to. Oh, let's go to Letterboxd and find out what's in the box. <laughs> yes. What's in the fucking box? Yeah, the Big Lebowski, pretty beloved on Letterboxd. It's a you know. A social media site for film buffs. Of course, a movie like this is going to be pretty revealing. What's the, what is it, like a 4.1, 4.2? On, 4.1 on the dot. Good guess. Okay. Yeah. I, usually these kind of movies are above four. They're like, they've reached that threshold. Very rarely are they, a movie like this is going to be below, you know, like 
below 4.0 and that's the sign of a movie that's beloved by a lot of by, by a lot of freaks yeah i couldn't find any i i have all positive reviews here because the negative ones were just spiteful and there were only a handful of negative ones but they were very much like you know i'm part of the persecuted minority who doesn't like this movie and i'm tired of having to justify it and i'm like oh you sound fun so yeah i, I yeah i <laughs> yeah meaning like they're offended by some of the, the language and dialogue i would bet probably yeah well yeah walter's a piece of shit like yeah, yeah none of these guys are role models like no have you seen south park like, <laughs> like you know probably not i bet it's too it's too much for them it's too spicy yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean yeah like the like this like the derogatory terms ter- towards people who aren't like white Jews or or Americans, like yeah, I mean Walter's like a piece of shit. That's that's why we laugh at him. Yeah, I don't get people who are like you know, I didn't get it, and this is why you have to understand why I didn't get it. It's like just say you didn't like it and move on. You don't have to act like you're being persecuted. And I'm gonna bring you down with me. Yeah, yeah. So here are five positive, enjoyable reviews of the Big Lebowski. This one's from Andre de Nervo. If you don't like this movie, well, you know, that's just your opinion, man. Four and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I love using a, a little quote within your review. Liam and me, we're going to fuck you up. <laughs> I love work at the end when Quintana goes up and they're like, what's this day of rest shit? <laughs> like trying to confront Walter. You playing mind games, motherfucker. Yeah. You gotta, I got a date with you Wednesday, baby. Bush League psych out uh, stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> Just fucking crazy, man. <laughs> lost his goddamn mind. He's like, you know, there's there's a there's a quote uh from uh Kicking and Screaming, the the children's movie, Robert Duvall. Like, I can't believe Robert Duvall's in a movie with Will Ferrell. Um, like and and Someone else is in it that's really cool too. Anyways, so Robert Duvall says they're, they're coaching like 11 and 12 year olds so- soccer. And he, you know, Will Ferrell's like, it's not a big deal. You know, like they're just kids. You know, it's like, it's like a, it's like a little kids league. He's like, he's like, yes, for you, it may not be a big deal. But for the kids who live in this district and are 11 and 12, this is the big leagues, baby. <laughs> I always think that with Jesus because Jesus treats this like it's the, the tournament. Like, if I don't win, like I am a loser. Like I have to beat everybody. Like, and for the dude, it's obviously like oh, I'm going like have some fun, like compete a little bit, have a little recreational, you know, act- activity. Jesus is like bowling is life, and I'm gonna crush everybody in my way. And I, I love that. I, I I haven't seen the Jesus. What is it called? The oh, Jesus. The roll. Jesus rolls. Yeah. I I can't. I just like I cannot do it. Um, it's fucking horrendous. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. God, I can't do it. Yeah, it was. I wish that didn't happen. But, you know, in terms of like why, you know, Quintana is so focused on this, when you're a convicted sex offender, there's not a lot of hobbies you're allowed to have. There's not a lot of places you're allowed to go. So when you got a yeah. bowling alley, that is pretty much all you got. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to get fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. That's you just hope to God they don't build a school next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> this next one's from Travis K. Uh, this is you know those quote or those memes where it's like me colon doing this 
you yeah. like that's a some human paraquat colon tries to write off the big lebowski as a dumb stoner comedy me in the parlance of our times colon I, I i this could be a a, a lot more uh uh a complex i mean it's it's not just it might not just be just such a simple uh you know <laughs> four and a half stars yeah all right travis good one buddy <laughs> i love that the parlance of our times <laughs> she owes money all over town including to known pornographers and that's cool <laughs> god damn it oh, oh i know this movie by heart i could sit down and write this screenplay right now oh i love that that's great oh this next one's from uh matthew cutchen Every time I watch this, it makes me doubt my firm belief that art is subjective because I also have a firm belief that this movie is objectively a masterpiece. Five stars. Like I get it, man. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, I understand too. Obviously, we're we're on your side. Oh, this next one's from Joe Lynch. Yep, the Joe Lynch. Uh yeah, he has a pretty active letterbox account, which I love. That's awesome. Amazing to think this was the Coen's follow-up to Fargo as almost a fuck you to everyone's expectations. An ultimate one for us that I recall really confusing and disappointing people when it first came out and is considered one of their most popular films by fans today. One of their best hangout movies and holds up wonderfully 25 years later. Four stars. Nice. Wow. And it said some nice stuff for four stars. I, I always love that. It's like, it's one of the greatest movies ever. Not quite a 10. <laughs> some, pe- some people... <coughs> that five stars is a lot more um, unobtainable than, than like for myself. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those people where it's like, I will sing a film's praises and it'll be like three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is quite possibly the greatest film ever out of Japan. Three stars. There was a, yeah. um, on, you know, I, I'm a big follower of a uh, Dan Cummins podcast time suck. And yeah. um, he had a, he has a running gag. He read a review on Amazon for a book that said, like, it was an amazing book, wouldn't change a thing, and, it, and the guy gave it three out of five stars. So ever since then, he the phrase, you know, like, wouldn't change a thing, three out of five stars, has become a running gag on that show. It's like, if you love something, you're like, three out of five stars. <laughs> Instead of, yeah, yeah. four or I five. Love that. Yeah. Like, it's weird the way people think things through. Um, yeah, very. <laughs> This last one's from Zombie T-Rex. The dude is the person we all secretly aspire to be. On the surface, he might not seem like much. He's unemployed, struggling with money, and his life has no real purpose beyond existing for the sake of it and bowling. But something about his lifestyle is just so liberating. The man just drifts through life without a care in the world. He goes bowling whenever he wants with his equally pathetic friends. He drinks white Russians all day and contributes next to nothing to society. But that's just the beauty of it. The dude just goes with the flow, or to put it more simply, the dude abides. If he gets swept up in some grandiose kidnapping plot with a millionaire who shares his name, so be it. And if some random thug pisses on his rug, his lack of an itinerary allows him to pursue this dilemma to its bitter end. None of us quite have the apathy to be like him, but in a truer sense, none of us have the courage to live life so recklessly by playing it so seemingly safe. Maybe the world would be a better place if we were all a little more like the dude. Five stars. Yes, love that. That's awesome. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, I knew I was going to find nothing but love on Letterboxd for this movie. It's that's that's the place where the you know films like this are you know held sacred. So 
that's what's in the box. Love that. That was that's a great segment. Um, yeah, Lebowski. It, it, if you don't like it, I'm gonna have a hard time, you know, figuring figuring out why. You know, I I, th- I think a lot of times there's just always we've talked about this with some, some other you know four or five star type movies that are have really good scores on all this stuff. There's just always gonna be people who have to like play devil's advocate, have to be the pot stir, the instigator. Uh, they, they they're just they're there. They're always there. They're always out there. Some of them more vocal than others, but they're they're there. You know, there's people who think Lebowski's like a waste of time, and just don't watch it. Just, just leave. Just get out of here. You know, uh, we we don't need you in this room right now. So, yeah. I, I I hope I hope anybody who's listening, you know, um, feels obligated, honestly obligated to rewatch the movie. I ho- I hope our passion for it and the, like the just the fun nature that was this this episode. I hope it inspires people to want to rewatch it because I'm already inspired <laughs> by hearing you talk about it and hearing myself talk about it and hearing just kind of like the ideas that uh, float around. I already want to rewatch it again. So uh, hats off to one of one of the greatest American movies ever made, man. Yeah. Happy 25. It's yeah, it's I'm, I can't wait to celebrate it for the 30th. This is a this is a film that will be, you know, a part of my life forever. It's 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 great. It's one of my if I'm ever feeling down, I'm going to throw on Lebowski and I'm going to laugh for two hours. That's yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It, you, it's not just like the dumb and dumber Tommy boy laugh. It's the laugh where you're like, I'm going to laugh, but I'm also going to think about what I, why I just laughed and put those things together. It's great. I never call it my favorite. I don't call it like a purebred comedy. You know, there's like way more to this. Like my favorite purebred comedy is probably like happy Gilmore like Lebowski's trying to say so much more you know um and it, it knows that it has so much more going for it. it's kind of a genre bender in its own right and I love that about it but with that all being said it might be the funniest movie that I've ever seen in my life so it has that yeah I'm with you you know if we're talking like dumb shit goofy comedy my favorite's Tropic Thunder but Lebowski is in a league of its own it is just the beauty about comedy, like if you keep going back to the same movie and you laugh just as hard, that's special. Yeah. Very few comedies can pull that off. And Lebowski always never fails to crack me up beyond belief and just brighten my day. And I know it does that for millions of other people. So yeah, I'm glad we could celebrate it here today. Hell yeah, man. Happy 25. <laughs> was fantastic <laughs> thanks for listening everybody if you like the show if you're uh, feel free to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at filmgasm productions if you want to suggest films for us to check out you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through those socials check out our letterboxd accounts for daily reviews you can search me at connor 95 in my friends list you can find the rest of the team check out our website filmgasm.com where i have a link to that letterbox if you want to read reviews you can also find articles trailers of upcoming films and every episode of our show if you'd like to become a monthly donor to filmgasm productions feel free to click on the link in the episode description and there click on support this podcast you can choose to donate a dollar a month if you like us five dollars a month if you love us and ten dollars a month if you can't live without us all donations go right back into the podcast and fund whatever we might need funding for recording equipment movie rentals if we ever decide to 
go back to renting stuff, which I doubt because that was a pain in the ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we appreciate any donations you might think we deserve. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their constant friendship and contributions to the show. Austin Johnson, Caleb J, Josh Allred, Colton Jenkins, Christian Aguilar, Isabel Gonzalez, Jeremy Johnson, Adam Johnson. You guys rock. Thanks to Cooley Cow for our awesome theme music. Thanks to you for checking out our show, making it this far. In the meantime, remember what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass and try not to enter a world of pain. And remember, if you will it, dude, it is no dream. Take it easy, keep watching movies, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.